Play. I'm Cleo. I'm James. And I'm Justin. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about It Follows, which is a horror movie that was written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. Um, so It Follows, basically the plot is that um, this teenage girl is being pursued by this kind of supernatural entity that started following her after a sexual encounter she had. And um, it's kind of very little is known about what the origins of this entity are, but she just has to constantly keep kind of moving away from it because if it catches up to her, then she'll be killed basically. Yeah. It was, um, it, a lot of horror movies have very explicit, implicit sexual overtones, undertones. This one was super explicit, literally about sex. Yeah. And so people that, have read a lot into that, like, is, you know, this entity a metaphor for STDs? Is it specifically about AIDS? Is it about, like, what is it about? And I think, from what I've read, David Robert Mitchell has been pretty, like, he wants people to just interpret it the way that they're going to interpret it. And he doesn't ever want to really go, the, to tell people something about the movie that isn't already told by the movie itself. Yeah, that's what I've gotten from the interviews I've read from him. The one thing he does seem to harp on is that he didn't ever really intend the like specifically the std angle like he knew it was it's pretty explicit that that is like a thing and it's like hard not to see it that way but that he didn't really he wasn't like trying to make a movie that was about you know stis or that kind of thing like it was the metaphor is still there but that's not what the movie itself is about which is Kind of interesting, I think, because like you said, it's really hard not to interpret it that way. Yeah. It's, it's literally a curse that is transmitted via sex. Yep. It is a sexually transmitted curse. Yeah. And it stays with you your entire <laughs> life. Yeah. And I mean, I think There's that, no way to really get rid of it. Yeah. And I think that there used to be this belief that if you got an STD, you could give it to someone else and then you wouldn't have it anymore. Like, that was a real thing that people thought about, like, AIDS or herpes. Hmm. Which is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, people in the olden days, people believed a lot of funny stuff about medicine and disease. Yeah. Which is why, like, there's a lot of, like, I don't know, leeching, stuff like that, all those fun practices that we should still have today. <laughs> like, drilling holes into skulls to let out the bad spirits. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I still do that on the regular. I go to my doctor. <laughs> it's like, it's a, time for my drilling, whole, please. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I really enjoy The reason I, um, I suggested It Follows for this episode was that I'm a big horror movie fan. Um, it's, there's so much repetition in horror movies. Like, there's, it's really hard to find something that really feels new um, and that doesn't just rely on jump scares to kind of, you know, affect an audience. And I thought this was just felt really... Um, original uh, but also you know comfortable and familiar it i mean the soundtrack itself sounds very much like a john carpenter movie that keyboard stuff right it sounds like almost like a theme from halloween um who yeah. did the score it was uh i have it written down somewhere richard vreeland who's also he said he's more widely known as disaster piece is that like a dj name i don't probably yeah it sounds like it but he's he's better known as disaster piece than richard vreeland um, but it sounds 
very 80s or like late 70s, early 80s. And in fact, the film itself kind of seems very timeless. Like what impression did you guys get about what time this took place then really? I was having a really hard time figuring that out. I got a I got a very nineties, like late eighties to mid nineties kind of vibe. I had that too, but the sisters got like that like a clamshell thing that she's the e reader. Yeah. Yeah, well that one, that thing does not exist in Yeah, that was made like specifically for this film. Yeah. It's like a product that doesn't exist. That's the it's like a movie that is firmly entrenched in that time period with exactly one relic that like puts it in the now. Yeah. I think I think is, the first girl that you see also has a smartphone, but then none of the main characters we see. I don't even think ever we ever like see them use phone. a phone. I think that's what I think I read something about David Robert Mitchell saying he did that on purpose because he wanted to make it kind of timeless. And yeah. um, and I I don't know. He definitely succeeded because it could be kind of whenever in the past, you know, thirty years. I'd say. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a lot of little bits of this and that that makes it so you would say, oh well, it can't be this time because they have this thing, and it can't be that time because they have that thing. So it doesn't explicitly fit anywhere, which I guess makes it fit everywhere. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> But yeah, it felt like a lot of the actors were relative unknowns. I mean, unless I just am totally out of the loop and they're all very famous and I just don't recognize them. No, they're all they're all pretty unknowns. Um so Micah Monroe is like the main the you know, the lead actress and she hadn't really done much else. Um I don't know when they released in relation to each other, but she also did so it follows came out. Let's see. I have this written down. Uh, oh yeah, so It Follows came out back in March, uh, in the, like, in the U.S., like, in an actual theatrical release, like, it premiered in 2014 at, like, film festivals and that kind of stuff, and she was also in this awesome movie called The Guest, uh, where she was also pretty much the lead, and that came out last year, um, I want to say September, October-ish? Yeah, September, um... So I highly recommend that to you guys just in general. Uh, people listening also just, yeah, super good, like uh, sort of like thriller, basically. Uh, also indie, also good. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's really, that got a lot of acclaim. She was in that. I think they were filmed around the same time. Sounds like uh, it must have been. And then the lead, uh, I, I mean, I guess the closest thing there is to a lead, like a male lead in this movie, which is the, the like, male friend in the initial group paul yes paul uh is keir gilchrist and he's been in a couple of things he was in united states of Terra. oh yeah i knew i recognized him he was <laughs> the little brother yeah and um he was also in uh it's kind of a funny story which is oh. like a, a couple of years old like indie comedy with uh zach galifianakis and uh i think emma roberts but outside of those guys, nothing. Yeah, I think that that kind of contributes to the feeling of the film. Where it gives it gives it a kind of believability. Yeah, when you don't, when it's not just like really well known actors, and you see them, and you're like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I can suddenly not think of a single actor's name. <laughs> Jessica Alba, I don't know, has she been in anything recently? I don't, no, it was a weird choice. But um, you know, like when there's someone has a really recognizable face, it's kind of hard to believe them as that character sometimes. Yeah, um, I can get so that. This felt. This felt very kind of real and gritty in a way that a lot of kind of more 
bigger horror movies fail to do. Also, this movie does not rely on jump scares to get. Not even I mean, a there little, are a few, not, but not like, what's pure tension. It, yeah, it's I don't know, and that's a really I mean that's a pretty amazing feat. Yeah, I actually really liked it for that. Um, yeah, I'm I not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm. I I don't do great with jump scares, but I I can appreciate more of that. Just like it's just tense the whole time, kind of a thing. Yeah, I I liked that a lot about it. I thought that that was very effective. I also like that this is like a a modern like teen horror movie, basically. Uh, and there's like no gore. There's literally there's, a, there's the one there's instance of gore. Thing. Yeah, there's like one gross thing that happens yeah. at the very beginning. Like all the grosses out of it, the way at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, there's just the one thing, and then there's like bits of blood later. Yeah. But they're all, like, tiny instances, and it's not, like, excessive. It's just, like, there. Yeah. And it's, as weird as it sounds, it's almost more just red than blood, yeah. you know? It's, it doesn't feel like gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But. yeah I think, uh, I think like, another important part of this movie is the location. It's kind of like this other character in the film. Because um, it takes place in Detroit. Yeah. Um, but they, they don't specifically say it's Detroit until after the halfway point. So it looks like it could be a lot of different neighborhoods, right? It looks a lot like one of the neighborhoods I grew up in as a kid. And all the houses, like the art direction, all the houses looked very realistic. Like they weren't just like these clean, like pristine. Because a lot of teenage rooms in horror movies, at least from like the 80s, were depicted as everything's really organized and like idealistic. But here it was very much, it looked like these houses were lived in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does look like Michigan. Which is what, I mean, obviously it's set in and near Detroit, but that was definitely something that I picked up as as we were going. Was just a lot of those little things, like, oh, this looks like this place in Michigan, that place in Michigan, but they they really don't say, yeah, which does make it a cool thing. It it does add to that sense of it could be anywhere. Yeah, I mean, once they had gone to the beach, which I think happened before you know explicitly that it's Detroit. Yeah. I was, like, ready and willing to believe it was, like, suburban California. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that, or, like, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, Another interest, interesting part of it's, like, lessness, right? Like, it's, it's settingless, it's timeless. Yeah. I think that's even another benefit of not having a lot of known actors, right? Yeah. Because you you think of certain actors with the times when they're acting the most. Even if they might play roles in set in different times, you have that link to, like, oh, this is when these people were doing movies. Um, yeah. Like, Scream feels very 90s because... Yeah. I guess 80s. 90s. 90s? Okay. Ah, Early 90s. I think, like, 93 was the first one or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I just right. watched it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think part of that, though, comes from comes from the cast. And that it was yeah. set, like, in that time, and these are the people who were acting at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this film, in a lot of ways, is pretty, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, I would say. Like, yeah. it doesn't, a lot of horror movies, they try to get all, like, twisty and complicated and... They try to have these, like, really complex storylines. Um, and this one, I mean, it's pretty much, it starts out with 
this well yeah i mean the, the main character is jay right that's her name jamie yeah. jay uh and she's a college student not a high school student she's college age right i think she was in college that was unclear to me i think it's pretty intentionally unclear yeah i think um, it could be towards the end of high school towards the beginning of college yeah i want to the only re- i want to say high school and it's just because of one specific scene uh toward the beginning when like the first time that she sees the like the creature mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and oh yeah she like flees the classroom that she's in the building seems very high school and the fact that like i mean if you leave in the middle of a class that's like a decent size your professor's not gonna like yell after you they're just gonna be like oh whatever if you're in college yeah Yeah. uh so the fact that the teacher like yelled at her when she was leaving the class is like hey hey where you go what's going on where you go like that's just feels more high school to me but I, i do remember someone there was a conversation at one point where they were like, oh, is it weird because all everyone, like, all your friends have gone away? Which is, like, a college thing. Like, you know, people go away for school. Mm, yeah, good point. And now I'm on Wikipedia, and it says, Jay. <laughs> it says, Jay, a college student. So well, I guess you she, go. I guess she is college. All right. But, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's pretty basic setup where she has sex with her boyfriend, um, who she's been seeing, for, or, like, kind of boyfriend, maybe not quite yet boyfriend who she's been dating for like a little while. Um, and then something, I don't, I guess, I don't know like where <laughs> the spoilers with this. I mean, he basically tells her that he's passed on this thing to her and it's going to follow her and it's never going to stop coming towards her. And if it touches her, then she's going to die. And so she has to pass it on to somebody else by having sex with them. But if that person dies, then it'll go back to following her. And so if she dies, it'll go back to following him, which is why he wants her to like go out and sleep with somebody else. Yeah. Um, which I is a really, I, I mean, it was really intense beginning. Yeah. I mean, that's, that all happens in the first like 15 minutes of the movie. It's in the trailers too. So yeah. I'd yeah. say that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. If the trailer spoils it, then we can spoil it. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so they're basically, and oh, also the thing, the entity or whatever it just appears as different people. Like it'll just switch appearances uh, every time you see it. So like at one point it's like an old woman at one point it's like a, I don't know. It's kind of strange. Like cause sometimes it seems like it's a victim of a crime and maybe it's like the past people who have had this thing. I think that's what they were trying to hint at. Yeah. It's, like, it looks like once in a while. Um, and then sometimes it appears as someone, you know, um, which is, you know, that's probably the creepiest part. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've est- talked about as much as we can without diving into spoilers. I mean, do you guys have anything else overarching or like thematic about this that you'd want to say? I'd say, I don't I mean, I kind of want to give a warning to people about like, if you're someone who likes a lot of resolution and like understanding of what the thing is in a horror movie, like if you want to fully understand what the monster is and why it's there by the end, you might be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Like just flat out angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause yeah, you're not going to get all the answers. Which I think any is answers. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing or a bad thing. Very dependent upon you, the viewer. But yeah, I think that that's a good, I think that that's a good heads up. 
if if that's what you're looking for, you're looking for like world building, mythology building, you're you're not going to find that here. This is this is about this film in this moment with this beginning, middle, end, and these people who don't understand what's happening to them. Having said that, there might be a sequel. They're talking about having a sequel. I think they were. I don't know whether it was a joke or not, but they're saying maybe it would be titled "Follow It." Like. <laughs> As, yeah. Like, they're going to figure out where it came from. Although, I think, again, the director was very much like, I don't care, and I don't want other people to care about that. Yeah, I would be really disappointed if they did that. Yeah, I mean, he has said that he has ideas for what he would want to do with it hmm. if it was popular enough that they wanted to make a sequel and turn it into, like, a franchise. He has, like, yeah. an overarching story idea to how to keep going. Um but I kind of hope – I mean, it's been successful enough that I think it will happen, and I'm kind of upset by that in general because it's such a good self-contained story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want to know anything else about this curse, anything like that. I think I may disagree with you too, but I feel like I should wait until spoiler territory to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, yeah, I think we're just going to move into right now. I think so. Should we talk about next uh, our next batch of episodes? Yeah, of course. Yeah, let's. So for our next set of episodes, we're going to try another themed month because this seemed to go really well. Um, classic theme, uh, kids killing kids. <laughs> so for the, for the film, we're going to be doing Battle Royale, a Korean film. Japanese. You know as well Japanese. As I, I think it's Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. It's Japanese. God, a Japanese film. <laughs> uh, um, that's. I mean, it's literally about kids being locked in their school and being told they have to kill, to kill each, each other. other. Yeah. So tune in for that. <laughs> um, really uplifting. Uh, if you're interested in our other episodes, we're going to be reading The Hunger Games, and we're going to be playing Danganronpa. Trigger Happy Havoc. Um, I think it should be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be... It's it's an out-there theme, but it was surprisingly easy to find a bunch of stuff about this. They were all James's idea. So... <laughs> That's only half true. I'm, I'm mildly concerned. But... I think we'll, we'll, we'll address that when we record the episodes. <laughs> Anyways, so... Uh, if you're interested in that, please come in next month. If you're interested in spoilers for It Follows, please stick around. If you're interested in seeing the film first and you haven't yet, this would be the time to break and come back when you're set. And I think we can just cut real quick saying that we I would recommend seeing it. Uh, you guys? Yeah. I mean, even if you are off put with the idea of not having every question answered by the end it's definitely worth watching it's if you enjoy classic horror movies especially this is kind of an ode to them i'd say like the teenagers running for their lives kind of scenario yeah and i'd even say if you're someone who doesn't generally enjoy horror films um which i normally i would fall into um this is this is not necessarily like that it's definitely different it's definitely interesting uh i know i tried to put off seeing this as long as i could um, i tried so hard to get you to see this you really did <laughs> um but yeah it's really it was not what i was expecting um in in a lot of ways 
But definitely, if it sounds cool and you normally don't like horror movies, this could be this could be one that's all right. But. All right, and with that said, we're gonna move straight into spoilers. So let's just be as spoiler as we can. Uh, the ending. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we don't for a horror movie. We're not looking at a lot of casualties on it. Like, not a lot of people die. No. Um, considering that usually when you have teenagers in a horror movie, Everyone everybody is. except for one person dies. Yeah. And even usually that last person is implied to die as soon as, you know, the credits roll. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in this we only have, what's his name, Greg? Greg, right? Who's like the, you know, kind of friend. He slept with Jay once in high school. Um, didn't really mean anything, and now he's kind of trying to help them out. But he's also the skeptic. He's the dis- disbeliever of the group, which is, you know, never a safe thing to be in a horror movie. Nope. Um, it's almost so as he, bad as having sex in a horror movie. Oh, wait. And he, he, he does both. So he's out, and he gets, you know, he has a disturbing death. He is killed by the entity when it looks like his mother, and it is humping him on the floor. Um, easily the thing that freaked me out the most in this movie what about you guys um i don't i don't know that there really was anything in this movie that freaked me out that much so i mean i I guess of all the scenes it was probably that it that was the thing that made me wonder if that's how the entity like actually kills where it just sort of like really 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 aggressively has sex with someone because it wasn't yeah it was like because with the uh the girl, the first girl you see in the first scene who dies, her leg is, like, bent back. Yeah, that seemed, oh my like, God. pretty way back. Yeah, so, like, it, I don't know. It wasn't clear exactly how. Like, because it, it also wasn't... Because she, you know, had a really bad bodily injury. Greg seemed to just have the life sucked out of him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's very weird. Especially because yeah. it seems to just be kind of physically aggressive in all of its behavior throughout the movie. And for that first kill. And so what happened to Greg almost felt like, like just like, incongruous with the rest of it. Yeah. Like just the touch killed it or yeah. killed him. Um, and then we have, I mean like the very end of the film just kind of implies it's Jay and Paul cause they have sex so that she can pass it on to Paul. Right. Um, cause Paul wants to be able to help. And also it probably helps a lot to have more people actually able to see the thing. Cause you can only see it if you've had the curse. Yeah. Um, and it's just them walking down the sidewalk with that thing following them in the background. And they're holding hands, and it's kind of sweet, and it's also just super depressing. Well, it's kind of... I mean, I mean, it's purposely ambiguous, right? Yeah. Like, that could just be a person walking down the street in the middle of the Detroit suburbs. Yeah, because don't they, don't they suggest that Paul gives it to a prostitute? I thought that they, they suggested do. that he was thinking about doing it, and mm. then he decided not to. I think that I see. I think that scene is also ambiguous and left up yeah. to audience interpretation. I think a lot of this is right. Like, there's, I mean, the possible like sequence of events toward the end. There's like she like when she goes out to the lake, right? And there's just those yeah, guys there, and she just yeah. like strips naked and gets in the water. Yeah, I wasn't sure, like, was that... Because then she, someone asked her, why don't you just pass it on to someone? And she was like, I, I can't. Like, I tried to or something, and I couldn't. But yeah. I wasn't sure whether she was lying, and maybe she really did go on, swim to that boat, and sleep with one of those guys. So yeah. was that that 
part happened after the boat? Yeah. Okay. She um, has a, I can't remember. She has a conversation with like either her sister or Yara. So I, I do wonder if maybe if she did that less discriminately for like those guys' lives. Like if she ended up sleeping with one of the guys on that boat but didn't give him the whole warning and just did it to buy herself time. Yeah. And so she knew it was going to come back after her eventually and it just gave them some time because that was what she did. Did she do that before they did the whole pool thing? Or was that after? It's before. Yeah. So they, they did that to like buy time for the pool sequence to like get themselves ready for all of that without having to worry about it pursuing her. And then it comes back in the form of her father, no less, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, that whole thing happens where maybe they killed it and maybe they didn't. Yeah, that part – I'll say this. I think that this movie has a lot of really great ideas, but I felt like the execution was kind of shaky. And that pool scene was the one that I thought I had the most trouble with. Because mm. it seems like a really bad plan. Yeah, it's a really shitty well, see, idea. See, I that's why I love it. Um, because it's like, what are you going to do when a bunch of uninformed teenagers like get together and try to kill this apparently unstoppable monster? Like, they're going to come up with this like batshit Scooby Doo gang, just like weird plan that might succeed because nothing else they've thrown at it that works against people has actually had any effect. Yeah, except it seems like the plan boils down to, oh, and then we'll shoot it. But they already tried that. Well, no, they don't want to shoot it. They want to electrocute it. That's why they line the entire pool with yeah, toasters and, I, and TVs yeah. and hair dryers. And, yeah, and that's the thing, that, right? Like, but... if shooting it in the head doesn't take it out then how is electrocuting it going to which is also ris- risky because they risk electrocuting her also right which is of course the first thing that goes wrong they like yeah. the thing doesn't get in the water and just start throwing stuff in the pool at her yeah um so yeah i mean i i just think it it makes thematic sense when you're dealing with a bunch of like scared teenagers who don't really know what to do and and that's just like something that they're going to well maybe this will work yeah um which is what i liked about it I got the impression that Jay's sister, or uh, the other one, was it Yara? Yara. Was smarter than that. Like, I <laughs> I totally buy this as Paul's plan. Right. Paul's a moron. But, like, Yara would be, would, yeah. you know, speak up and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I don't buy yeah. everyone else being like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Be like, no, we're not going to put Jamie in the water with this thing and... Just assume that, oh, then she'll just get out. It That's where it breaks down for me. And the thing that's a bit harder is it's such a great sequence that I can't shake that it wasn't added because it makes thematic sense. It was added because, wow, what a good sequence this would be. And then they just needed some way to put it in the movie. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. That's what I thought the hardest part was. It was just like, I I like so many of those things. And then we got to the pool and all I could think of was just, it took you this long to put a sheet on it, to throw paint at it, to do something that makes it visible. And also what was, 
like what was your end game here? Yeah. But that was that was the one thing I liked everything else about it. I liked the tone, I liked the pacing, I liked the tension. Um I liked that it did a really good job of playing with your expectations. Cuz so early in the movie when like Paul comes, like Paul's staying over and clearly wants to sleep with Jay, I thought for sure the way that we were going to find out that this thing was serious was Jay was going to sleep with Paul because clearly he wanted it and she wasn't really sure if this was a thing. And then Paul was going to die and that was going to be our, this is how you know that the characters are in danger. Right. And then there's like this feeling that she's responsible for that. And so she killed Paul because she knew this but didn't believe it and just kind of everything with there. And it seemed it seemed so clear that that's how it was going to go. And then it didn't. And that was really nice. I like that a lot. And a lot, there were a lot of moments like that. Right. You know, it's like, oh, here's this gun. It's like, okay, so they're going to shoot one of themselves. And then they kind of do, but not really. Yeah. I liked, I liked all those things a lot. I just wish we could have gotten to the pool in some better way. But that was just me. There's this one scene, I think my favorite scene probably, um, or one of my favorite scenes, is when they're by the beach, or like the, the yeah, the, the lake, and they're at Greg's dad's hunting cabin or something like that, right? Yeah. Because um, they drive away to kind of like get away from it because it seems like, you know, the only thing you can really do is put your distance between yourself and the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see them all kind of lounging around and Yara is walking towards them, right? And this is the first, I think this is the first time you see the entity look like someone who's like part of the cast, someone who they, you know, a character who they know. Yeah. And you see Yara walking towards them just kind of normally. And then just as it gets to Jay, there's a shot and you see Yara in the lake, like kind of like paddling around in one of those floaty things. And that's when you realize, oh shit, that really is the thing. And it picks up her hair. It like lifts her up by the hair. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what, maybe it's because I have really long hair, but hair things freak me out. <laughs> like I know it's cause you can just grab onto it and it's, then you're, you're at the mercy of whoever's grabbing onto your hair. Maybe it's also because in a lot of Asian horror films, hair is a big thing. So I'm just terrified of hair related horror incidents. I don't know, <laughs> but that was, I don't know. I just thought that one scene was, done really well because that's also when everyone starts taking it seriously except for greg who is even after that he's just like i don't know i mean like it could be anything like you don't know what it is it's like he was also the only one who wasn't there when that was happening because he like wandered off to go like take a piss in the cornfield not far from there and so then this whole thing this whole thing happens and he like hears a struggle going on and like zips up and runs back over but he didn't see any of it happen and so he continues to be the only one who doesn't take it seriously. Yeah. And I don't know. It's interesting because, okay. So like I had said before that for me personally, it's kind of important for horror movies to explain a little bit of the origin of whatever the creature is. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I always, and this is again, just totally personal preference, but I always viewed horror movies as also being mystery movies. Right. Um, because there's always the question of why is this happening? You know, if even with a slasher flick, right? It's you know, why is this person killing everyone? Like, why is Michael Myers like this? Even though 
again, they don't really explain that, which is what I didn't like about the original Halloween films, really. He's just, like, a suddenly a psychotic killer. Um, although in the remake, they kind of try to explain that, which is actually why I like the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I love it when the film, like, the kind of arc of the film is trying to figure out why this is happening. Like, because it's always tied to a tragedy, right? Like, some tragedy happened in the past that spawned this creature that's hunting everyone. And usually the answer to defeating it is finding out why it's doing that and trying to figure out how to put a stop to it with that knowledge. Right. And I don't think I would mind the sequel that kind of explored more of the history of this thing. But again, just personal preference. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can definitely see that about horror movies in general. And I think that the fact that this isn't those things is just something that I really enjoy. Like, it's otherness. Um, but yeah, I have, like, I'd completely forgotten about that scene. And actually, it was like one of those things where the moment was happening. Like, I saw somebody, you know, you see her wandering up through the, through the bushes and I'm like, that's it. It's yeah. right there. And then I'm, and then that's I immediately like that, that you get that first glimpse, and then I'm cataloging everybody, and I'm like, who, where is? And I'm just like, all right, yeah, no, there's, there's a, yeah, there's, there's Paul, that's great, okay, yeah, where is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she just like floats by off the left hand side, and just like there it is, there's, she's, and that's the, and nobody's looking. And, oh my god! And they finally fig- they figure out that it is actually tangible because that was I, up yeah. until that point, I didn't really believe it was like a tangible creature yes yeah um, to anyone except for the person who it's stalking right but, right and even realistically the person who it's like stalking might not be able to come into contact with it like it can only come into contact with them was the kind of thing i was thinking yeah Where like it was like pretty much incorporeal but could kill the person right and then it was in that sequence where like you figure out that it's tangible and then they manage to shoot it and it just doesn't do anything and Ah, that was just so good. Oh, that was so good. One of my favorite discussions to have about this movie is just about kind of the logistics of it. Like, if you get into an airplane and fly yes. to a different continent, will it follow you? Like, will it swim to get to you? Well, that was will my it thing. Will somehow appear on the airplane? That like, was all I could think about. Just airplanes. I was like, can it walk on water? Yeah, boat. Can it swim? Like, what if she just stayed up? I thought when she saw the boat, I was like, is she going to get a houseboat and live on the water? <laughs> yeah, there was all this, there was so much water imagery. There was the pool and there was the, like her pool and just, you know, being on the lake yeah, and all this yeah. stuff. And it made me wonder, and then it wouldn't get in the pool, right? Yeah. It didn't get in the pool until they Maybe. shot it in the head and yeah. it fell in. And I mean, it seemed to do fine in the water until they shot it again, but that made me kind of wonder if maybe it like can't or won't swim. Which is kind of a classic thing with anything supernatural, right? Yeah. yeah it can't cross a body of water. Yep. Like flowing water. Yeah. It's like, that's like a very ancient, like a lot of Celtic folk tales. That's a thing. Um, but yeah, there's just so many also with the whole, it says if you have sex with someone that you pass it on, but what counts as sex here? I was like, also wondering that. Like, if you give, like, a sad hand job, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're harping on the the STD thing, which, again, as intentional as it was or not, like, this is a, this is a sexually transmitted curse. And it's, yeah. It's like, 
Yeah, my guess is that like traditional vanilla penetrative sex is what the only thing that'll pass it on. What if you use a condom? That's a great question. I think it was implied that if you because doesn't Greg have one or like take one? I don't know. I maybe yeah. I, I mean, I feel like the chances of her not using a condom, especially before she knew what was going on, like I feel like the first instance of sex would never have happened if. Like, what's his face? The guy who passed it on to her insisted on not using a condom. <laughs> like, yeah. in a real-world scenario. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I don't think a condom would save you from the curse. What if it was, like, a holy condom? <laughs> a blessed one. <laughs> blessed by the Pope. What if this was the Pope's personal, like, I don't know, what was it? Like a like an exceptions list for the Pope. When you become Pope, there's, like, one person you can have sex with. And if that situation arises, he's got a condom for just that. <laughs> it's like in the rules. You become Pope and like a cardinal comes up and is just like, Here's look, Padre, this is, we don't tell anyone about this, but this is, this is the rule. Like a hall pass thing. Here's that your one condom <laughs> and you're allowed to make a list of one person. And if the, the need ever arises, here you go. Yeah. And you're set. We should suggest this for the sequel. <laughs> Write a proposal. Uh, Here's my treatment. For yeah. <laughs> follow it. Right. So I think that's the thing. I, I'll say this. That was one of the areas where I kind of wish that there was a bit more information. But I also... I, I don't know. It. A lot of horror movies get simultaneously more or less interesting when you have a set of rules. Um I mean, like, uh, Blink is a great episode of Doctor Who, and it's very scary because the Weeping Angels have rules. And those rules make the sequences really cool because you have those moments of they're frozen, and then you need to blink, and it creates this tension, and maybe it's behind you, et cetera, et cetera. So that can yeah. make it really good. But also... If you know the rules of, say, this curse beyond how to transmit it, does that make it less interesting because, say, we the viewers know that it can't go in water? So you just get on a boat and you live out in the middle of the ocean forever. Right. You know, does that, does that make it more interesting? Does that make it less interesting? I almost wish that it felt more like there was a list of rules that existed – that we as the viewers didn't know, mm -hmm. but it was set in stone somewhere. Cause I was with you where I thought that the rule was going to be like, it can't go in water. Cause you're right. There's water imagery everywhere. And that that's, that was a really cool thing. And then when it wouldn't get in the pool, I was thinking the same thing. And even that, like that it, it was satisfied killing Jay by throwing stuff at her. Like that seemed very different from its mo otherwise right but then it was in the water uh, and it did seem to be okay yeah if i don't know i don't know maybe it like i just doesn't like to be in the water yeah it just seems slightly annoyed to be in the water yeah it was like, water annoys it now it has to dry off and its hair is going to be wet <laughs> but so it, also, at, at what speed is this thing traveling because it always looks like it's walking but then like if you were to drive across the country, would it take the amount of time for a person to walk across the country for it to catch up to you? Because then you could just be bike coastal. I don't know. 
I mean, that is one of the like rules that did seem to be set in stone that I had un- that I understood was that whatever it is, whatever form it takes, it's just walking, and it's always walking, and it's walking to you. Yeah, it's not and fast, but it doesn't get tired. Because one of the few things that uh, was it, David Robert Mitchell, right? Is his name? Yeah, David Robert Mitchell. Yeah. Um, was like forthcoming about was like his inspiration for this, and it was a nightmare that he had when he was a kid. Oh, that's awesome! And it was just like he would be see this like stranger in a crowd that would follow him, would just like walk toward him, and it was kind of terrifying. And he would like run away, God, and whenever that's, that's he would, awful. whenever he would get somewhere, it would you know, he would just round a corner, he would just be walking toward him, and he would run some more, and then it would, it would come up again, and just be walking toward him. <laughs> I do have to say, this is kind of one. There are every once in a while, there is a movie like this where once you stop watch, when you finish watching it, you still are kind of in the mindset of it, so you feel like you're living by the rules of the movie. I don't think I'm ever like not going to be in the mindset of this movie. Yeah, because like after, like for instance, the first time I remember doing that is like after watching the Truman Show, and I was like, "What if there are cameras everywhere?" <laughs> yeah, and I just kept thinking of that for a little while. Or, like, even something stupid, like, when I watched Fifty First Dates, and I was, like, I just kept thinking for a second, oh, yeah, my memory's going to restart after this day. <laughs> and for this, it's, like, for a while after, I kept kind of just looking around being, like, is that person following me? Is that person following me? And, and still, like, sometimes I'll see someone who's, like, walking in a kind of slow, shambling way, and I'm, like, oh, yeah, it looks like it's following somebody. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is going to be one of those movies that, like, it just so successfully creates this tension building terrifying like monster or antagonist that it I mean it'll stick with me for maybe forever. This is the kind of movie where like I will have nightmares about that thing following me when my brain decides it's time for a nightmare again. For like the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think it's it does a really good job of taking something just so utterly ordinary and making it scary. I think some of the best things do that, right? But it's it's just a person walking slowly towards you. And it could be any person. Yep. And sometimes it's a scary person. And sometimes it's a regular person. And sometimes it's a person you know. But it's just a person walking in your direction. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. Absolutely. That's <laughs> insane. Um, I do... To, to pivot off that into completely something different. But I love that the parents don't exist in this yeah. movie. It's like, I feel like the only way we see any of the parents is when the entity decides to, like, take for the form of them. Jay's mom's kind of in it, isn't she? Yeah, she has a conversation, I think, with, like, her friend or neighbor. And then, what, okay, so what did you guys, I can't remember exactly what the details are of her dad. Like, did he die? Did he leave? Like, he's not part of the picture, which is why when it transforms into her father, it's particularly upsetting to her. Yeah. I don't think it's ever explicit. Yeah, I think he's just not in the picture. Because her sister asks her, what does it look like or whatever right and, now while yeah, they're in the whole like, scene. And she's like, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's obscure, or that's, like, vague, that's not detailed, and her mother, like, you don't see her face, right, in the sequence that she's in, it's like when she's in the hospital, and her mother's, like, there, and talking to someone, I think? She, she like, talks with, like, a... Oh, oh, and it's the cops, right? Yeah, Yeah. and then she, I think at one point, she, like, 
comes into Jay's room or something while she's asleep. At one point, she's like collapsed on her bed, kind of suggested that she was drinking. Hmm. It, but she's not really a character. She's, yeah, I mean, definitely not. Yeah. Um, do you Which just get these like little horror hints? Horror movie. Right, like she's she pops up a few times. You you see the like sandwiches left in her room that like presumably her mom would be leaving, right? Yeah. And then you don't see anybody else's parents no. until you see Greg's mom at the thing as her, mm-hmm. and that would probably killing him. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I just like I kind of love that it, it's it's all these kids. Late on their own, teens, fending for just, themselves. Yeah, on their own, trying to figure this out for themselves without, like, parents around, which is, like, a horror trope in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but he, like, they just do it so effectively. Yeah, and I think it's it's a good way of removing the parents from the situation, because you don't, I don't know, like, it, some video games have some really just god-awful hacky reason for there not being NPCs around, like right. the Batman games. It's like, oh, it's Christmas, so everyone's inside. Like, that's why we didn't populate the streets with people who aren't bad guys. Yeah. But this, it feels like, no, yeah, the dad's not there. The mom seems just not in a good place. Like, she's a very – she's there but not present. Yeah. And so that's all you really need. And then just yeah, everyone are, hangs out at their house. Yeah. These are definitely, like, latchkey kids. Yes. Who – are used to fending for themselves. And so they don't even, the thought doesn't even, you know, cross their minds to ask an adult for help. Not a single one of them. I love it. <laughs> That's a cool movie though. Yeah. I definitely would recommend it. If you, <laughs> I, I watched it twice. So I think it also, there are things you pick up on a second watch that you don't pick up on the first one. So it's definitely one of those films you can watch over and over again. Yeah. And I think it's a really fun one to watch with people. Because there's a lot of those really ambiguous moments where it's fun to sit down after and say, like, oh, do you think she gave it to the guy on the boat? Do you think that Paul gave it to one of the prostitutes? Do you think that the person following them at the end is actually the being? Is it just there to make you anxious? Is it this sense that no matter how many times they pass it on, it's it's always following them to some degree? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's it's a lot of really fun moments like that. I, I hesitate to use the word fun with this movie. But <laughs> fun it, to analyze, but they yeah. don't make the movie any more or less fun. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Any more for, for any more? No. No, I think you know, we've covered everything I I had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so thank you very much for joining us. This has been It Follows. And come on back next month for Battle Royale. A Japanese film, not a Korean one. <laughs> <laughs>